Hey there, girlfriend. I'm reading. Um, tonight it's Margot. Margot's chapter. Um, last time out we have Rock uh, Ali in a really interesting chapter that I just liked the way it was structured. It was pretty cool. Pretty cool. Um, in conclusion of that chapter, they did it. The, the The online forum people didn't really come to a conclusion, which I think pretty good summation of Reddit. Previous chapter, Tunde, Tunde almost got killed by a random girl. What a bitch. What a silly little bitch. Uh, she tried to rape him a little bit. You said that um, Tunde did the raping. I don't know if maybe in the later in the book, Tunde does the raping. Oh, I finished my water. I'll get some more in a little bit. I slightly haven't brushed my... Oh, I'm sitting on my phone. Slightly haven't brushed my teeth as well. Um, so, yeah. I'm just going to double check it's actually still working. I'll see you in a sec. Cool beans. I do still be recording. So, yes. I, I liked the last chapter because it was interesting. I didn't really like the... Tunde getting raped chapter because it was just a bit like oh wow Tunde's getting raped all of a sudden that's interesting cool beans and now it's Margot I had a, I had a quick flip, flip through the, the chapter and I think something interesting happens not gonna spoil it not gonna spoil it my love you'll see you'll see um but let's just say Jocelyn gets a boyfriend I think that's me spoiling it as well. But let's just read. Six years to go. Margot. Now tell me, Madam Mayor, were you elected governor of this great state? What would your plans be to tackle the budget deficit? There are three points to this, and she knows it. She has the first two right off. Okay, I have a simple three-point plan, Kent. Number one, trim the overspend on bureaucracy. That's good. That's the one to hit them with first. Did you know that current Governor Daniel Damden's Office for Environmental Oversight spent more than $30,000 last year alone? What was it? Bottled water. A pause to let that sink in. Number two. Cut aid to those who really don't need it. If your income is over $100,000 a year, the state should not be paying to send your kids to summer camp. This is a misinterpretation followed by a gross misinterpretation. This provision would only apply to 2,000 families statewide, and most of those have a disabled kids, which would exempt them from means testing anyway. Still, it plays well, and mentioning kids reminds people that she has a family. While saying she'll cut welfare payments makes her seem tough, not just another woman in the office with a soft, bleeding heart. Now the third plank. The third. The third plank. Point three, she says, in the hope that the words will find themselves on her tongue. If she just keeps talking. Point three, she says, again, a little more firmly. Fuck. She doesn't have it. Come on. Cutting bureaucracy, cutting unnecessary welfare payments, and fuck, and fuck. Fuck, Alan, I've lost point three. Alan stretches, stands up, and rolls his neck. 
Alan, tell, tell me point three. If I tell you, you'll just forget it on stage. Fuck you, Alan. Yeah, you kiss your kids with that mouth? They can't tell the fucking difference. Margot, do you want this? Do I want this? Would I be going through all of this prep if I didn't want this? Alan sighs. You know it, Margot. Somewhere in there, somewhere inside your head, you have your point three of budget deficit program. Reach out for me, Margot. Find it. She stares at the ceiling. They're in the dining room with a lit podium mocked up next to the television set. Maddie's little handprint paintings are framed on the wall. Jocelyn's already demanded hers to be taken down. It'll be different when we're actually live. I'll have the adrenaline, then I'll be more... Poppy. Yeah, oh, peppy. Then I'll be more peppy. Yeah, you'll be so peppy that when you can't remember the third plank of your budget reform, you'll just throw up live on stage. Pep. Super pep. Puke. Bureaucracy. Welfare. And bureaucracy. Welfare. Infrastructure investment. She yells it out. This is... A, sorry, this is just a Louis interjection. This is exactly like the other book I was reading before this one. That bloody economy one so boring don't want to learn about don't want to know about money i want to learn about women with superpowers killing each other infrastructure investment she yells it out the current administration has refused to invest in our infrastructure our schools are crumbling our roads are poorly maintained and we need to spend money to make money i've shown that i can manage large-scale projects on our north star camps for girls Oh, jeez, I, 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 I really failed with the reading tonight, my love. Our North Star Camp for Girls have been replicated in 12 states now. They create jobs, they keep girls off the street, and they've given us one of the lowest rates of street violence in the country. Infrastructure investments will make our people confident in a secure future ahead of them. That's it. That was it. There. And isn't it true, Madam Mayor, says Alan, that you have worrying ties with private military organisations. Margot smiles, smiles. Only if public and private initiatives working hand in hand makes you worried, Kent. North Star Systems are one of the most well-respected companies in the world. They want private security for many heads of state, and they're an American business. Just the kind of business we need to provide jobs for hard-working families and tell me her smile positively twinkles would i send my own daughter to a north star day camp if i thought they were doing anything other than a force for good there was a slow round of applause in the room margot hadn't even noticed that jocelyn's come in by the side door and that she's been listening that was great mum really great margot laughs, <laughs> you should have seen me a few minutes ago. Couldn't remember the names of the, all the school districts in the state. I've known those off by heart for ten years. Oh, you just need to relax. Come, have a soda. Marco glances at Alan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take ten minutes. Jocelyn smiles. Jocelyn's doing better now. Better than she was, anyway. Two years of North Star Camp have helped. The girls there have taught her to tone down the highs. It's been a month since she last blew up a 
light bulb and she's using a computer again without fear of fritzing it. They haven't helped with her lows though. There are still days, up to a week sometimes, when she just has no power at all. They've tried linking it to what she eats, to her sleep, to her periods, to exercise, but they just can't find a pattern. Some days, some weeks, she's got nothing. Quietly, Margot's talking to a couple of health insurance providers about funding some research. The state government would be very grateful for their, for their assistance, even more so if she becomes governor. Joss takes her hand as they walk through the den towards the kitchen, squeezes it. Joss says, So, uh, Mum, this is Ryan. There's a boy standing awkwardly in the hall, hand in pockets, pile of books on the side. His dirty blonde hair is falling into his eyes. Huh, a boy. Well, okay. Parenting never stops bringing you challenges. Hi, Ryan. Good to meet you. She extends a hand. Nice to meet you too, Mayor Cleary, he mumbles. Oh. Nice to meet you too, Mayor Cleary, he mumbles. At least he's polite. Could be worse. How old are you, Ryan? Nineteen. A year older than Justin. And how did you meet my daughter, Ryan? Mum! Ryan blushes. Actually blushes. She had forgotten how young some 19-year-old boys are. Maddie's 14 years old and already practising military stances in the mudroom and doing the moves she's seen on TV or that Joss has taught her from camp. Her power hasn't even come in yet and she seems older than this kid standing in the hallway staring at his shoes and blushing. We met at the mall, says Joss. We hung out, we drank sodas and we're just going to do homework together. Her tone is pleading. Ryan's going to Georgetown in full pre-med. Everyone wants to date a doctor, huh? She smiles. Mum! Margot pulls Jocelyn close to her, hand in the small of her back, kisses the top of her head and whispers very quietly in her ear, I want your bedroom door open, okay? Jocelyn stiffens. Just until we've had time to discuss it. Just today, okay? Okay, whispers Joss. I love you. Margot kisses her again. Joss takes Ryan's hand. I love you too, Mum. Ryan picks up his books awkwardly with one hand. Nice to meet you, Mrs Cleary. And then a look across his face like he knows he's not supposed to call her Mrs. Like he's been schooled in it. I, I mean, I mean, Mare Cleary. Nice to meet you too, Ryan. Dinner's at 6.30, okay? And they go upstairs. That was it. The start of the new generation. Alan watching from the door to the den. <laughs> Young love? Margot shrugs. Young something, anyway. Young hormones. <sighs> nice to know some things don't change. Margot looks through the stairwell to the upper floor. What did you mean before, when you asked me if I wanted it? Oh, it's, it's just aggression, Margot. You need to attack on those questions. You have to show you're hungry for it. Do you understand? I, I do want it. Why? Margot thinks of Jocelyn shaking when her power switches off, and how no one can tell them what's wrong with it. She thinks of how much faster she'd be able to get things done as governor without Daniel standing in her way. For my daughters, she says. 
I want it to help Joss. Alan frowns. Okay then, back to work. Upstairs, Joss pulls the door closed, turns the handle and turns the handle so softly that even her mother couldn't hear it. Oh, she'll be down for hours, she says. Ryan's sitting on the bed. He circles her wrist with his thumb and forefinger, tugs at her to sit next to him. Hours, he says and smiles. Jocelyn slants her shoulder one way and then the other. She's got all this stuff to memorise and Maddie's with Dad till the weekend. She puts her hand on his thigh and she makes so circles with her thumb. Do you mind, says Ryan, that she's busy with this stuff? I mean, Joss shakes her head. I mean, it is weird. Is it weird? He says, with the press and everything. She scratches at the fabric of his jeans with her nails and his breathing speeds up. Oh, you get used to it, she says. Mum always says our family is still private. Anything that happens behind closed doors is just between us. Cool, he says. He smiles. I don't want to be on the evening news. And she finds that so adorable that she leans in and kisses him. They've done this before, but it's still so new. And they've never done it before where someone with a bed, somewhere with a bed, someone with a, somewhere with a door and a bed. She's been afraid that she had hurt someone again. Sometimes she can't stop thinking of that boy she put in hospital. The way the hair on his arms crisp and how he held his ears like the sound was too loud. She's talked all about this with Ryan. He understands that no boy she's he understands like no boy she's ever met before. They've talked all about how they'll take their time and won't let it go out of control. The inside of his mouth is so warm and so wet, and his tongue is so slippery. He moans and she can feel the things starting to build up in her. But she's okay. She's done her breathing exercises and she knows she can control it. Her hands are on his back and down past his belt. And his hands are tentative at first but then more confident. Grazing the side of her breast and then his thumb on her neck and at her throat. She has a fizzing, popping feeling across her collar and a heavy ache between her legs. She pulls away for a moment, frightened, excited. I can feel it, he says. Show it to me. She smiles, breathless. Show me yours. They're both laughing, then she unbuttons her shirt. First button, second button, third, down to just where the edge of her bra starts to be visible. He's smiling. He pulls off his sweater, unbuttons the undershirt beneath it. One, two, three buttons. He runs the fingertips along he runs the tips of his fingers along her collarbone, where her skin is thrumming slightly under her skin, excited and ready, and he and she lifts her head, touches his face. He's smiling. Go on. She feels from the point of his collar along the bone that she cannot feel it at first. But then there it is, faint but glistening. There there's his scheme too. They had met in the mall. That part was perfectly true. Jocelyn has learned enough from being raised in a politician's house to know that you never lie outright if you can avoid it. 
they'd met in the mall because that's where they decided to meet and they decided in a ch private chat room online both of them looking for people like them weird people people in whom the thing hadn't taken right one way or the other Jocelyn had looked at the horrible urban dock site some stranger had emailed her, all about how this thing is the start of a holy war between men and women. Urban docks had some blog posts where he talked about sites for deviants and abnormals. Jocelyn had thought, that's me, that's where I should go. Afterwards, she was amazed she hadn't thought of it before. Ryan, from what they can tell, is even more rare than Jocelyn. He is a chromosomal irregularity. His parents have known about it since he was a few weeks old. Not all the boys like this grow skeins. Some of them died when their skeins tried to come in. Some of them have skeins that don't work. In any case, they keep it to themselves. There have been boys for murdered. There have been boys who've been murdered for showing their skein in other harder parts of the world. On some of those websites for deviants and abnormals, people are wondering what would happen if you got the woman to try and the women to try to wake the power up in men. If you taught them the techniques that are already being used in the training camps to strengthen the power in weaker women. Some of them are saying maybe more of us would have if they tried. But most men aren't trying anymore, if they ever did. They don't want to be associated with this, with weirdness, with chromosomal irregularity. Can can you do it? Can you? He says. This is one of her good days. The power in her is even and measured. She can dole it out by the teaspoon. She sends a tiny portion into the side of him. Not more than a jab in the ribs with an elbow. He makes a little sound. A noise of deliciousness. She smiles at him. Now you. He takes her hand in his. He strokes the middle of her palm and then he does it. He's not as controlled as she is, and his power is much weaker, but there it is, jittering, the power growing and waning, even over the three or four seconds he sustains it, he sustains it but there. She sighs, she sighs with the feeling of it. The power is very real, the feeling of the feeling of it de delineates the lines of the body very clearly. There is already so much porn of it. The single dependable human desire is very adaptable. What there is in humans is sexy. This now is what there is. Ryan watches her face as he sends his power into her hand. His eyes eager. She makes a little gasp. He likes it. When his power is spent and he doesn't have much. When his power is spent and he doesn't have much, he never has had. He lies back on her bed. She lies next to him. Now, she says, are you ready? Yes, he says, now. And he and she tucked in his earlobe with the tip of one finger, brings the crackle to him until he's writhing and laughing and begging her to stop and begging her to carry on. Joss quite likes girls. She quite likes boys who are a bit like girls. And Ryan was only a bus ride away. It was lucky. She messaged him privately. They met at the mall. They liked each other. They met two or three more times. Talked about it. Held hands. Made out. She brought him back home. She thinks, 
I have a boyfriend. She looks at his scheme. It's not pronounced at all. Not like hers. She knows what some of the girls from North Star would say, but she finds it very sexy. She places her lips to his collarbone and feels the vibration beneath the skin. She kisses her way along it. He is like her, but unlike her. She sticks her tongue between the teeth, between her teeth, and licks him where he tastes like battery. Downstairs, Margot is on to much-needed support for vulnerable seniors. She's using almost all of her attention to remember her lines, but a little part of her brain is still worrying over that question Helen asked her. Does she want it? Is she hungry for it? Why does she want it? She thinks of Joss and how should they be able to help her if she had more power and influence. She thinks of the state and how she'd be able to change things for the better. But as her fingers grip the cardboard po podium and the charge begins to build across her collarbone almost involuntarily when she speaks, the real reason that she can't get out of that she can't stop thinking of the the real reason is that she can't stop thinking of the look she'd see on Daniel's face if she got it. She wants it because she wants to knock him down.